Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate What's Next, How to Succeed as Our Industry Transforms. I'm Thomas Hyman, the host of the podcast, and I just returned back from Inman Connect in New York City, and I'm very excited to share some thoughts and findings with you and go over some of the biggies that uh, were discussed at the conference. And let me get started right away with iBuyer programs. iBuyer programs have been quite controversial. A lot of agents or brokers think that they are a fad, they're gonna go away. And the first thing I'm here to tell you is that iBuyer programs are here to stay and they're growing dramatically. 2019 versus 2018, pretty much doubled. Uh, Zillow, which just got started in this space, has really taken off and taken away market share from Opendoor. Both Zillow and Opendoor obviously are growing dramatically and there are a few other start, uh, upstarts as well. There are some, some pseudo uh, iBuyer programs where companies have a network of individual investors that can um, you know, bid on properties. But the thing that's really fueling the iBuyer program is number one, access to capital through Wall Street and access to cheap capital. And number two, the, uh, the need for those uh, programs. And um, smart agents and brokers are partnering with Zillow, with Opendoor to make this an additional item they can add to their tool chest. And there are many cases where a iBuyer program can be valuable. There are reasons why a seller has to sell um, where they need to have certainty that they're going to sell the home now as opposed to maybe three or six months down the road. And it's a very stressful event, you know, so when you have a property that uh, is on the market for two, three months and then it goes on the contract and then maybe the deal falls through, there's a lot of uncertainty. And what these iBuyer programs really are doing is addressing that problem and creating certainty for the seller. And uh, the notion that sellers are somehow selling their property for 10 or 20% below market value is simply not true. Actually, in 2019, looking at all the stats across the board, it was um, you know right about 96.3 or 0.4% of uh, ABM was the median sale price of iBuyer uh, transactions. And so those were some pretty interesting statistics that uh, were shared with us. And um, so for you as a real estate professional, you may want to ask yourself, okay, how can I, number one, partner with iBuyers? If you're an individual agent or a team or a small brokerage company, you're obviously not going to start your own iBuyer program. So um, you want to partner with companies like Opendoor or Zillow and have that in your tool chest. Um, one thing that a lot of successful agents are using iBuyer programs for is to give certainty to their customers that have to purchase another home. So you can get uh, rid of that whole uh, contingency to sell a home to buy the next home. And so an iBuyer program can be a fantastic tool to give your seller buyer certainty that they can write a contract without contingency, move into the next home, and they know that their, their original home is sold. And then of course, um, that can lead into additional transactions through the partnership with Opendoor or uh, Zillow with respect to that home that was uh, purchased. So don't poo-poo it, don't uh, discount it, um, give it some serious thought. How can you take advantage of it? 
Um, it's not available in every market, but I would definitely keep an eye on the two big ones, Zillow and Opendoor, and see what kind of partnership opportunities might exist for you in that space. Uh, if you have a larger brokerage, you may want to also think about how can I implement an iBuyer program for myself? And uh, at this point, I've not yet seen a white label program. I think there's a huge opportunity for someone to create a white label program for large brokerages to offer an iBuyer uh, type of solution. And if somebody doesn't take advantage of that opportunity, then my feeling is that probably Zillow and or Opendoor are going to offer a, um, a white label product for brokers uh, to take advantage of, uh, you know, the opportunity in offering the services under their own brand. Now, right along with the iBuyer programs, there is a new trend, a new set of uh, startups that are promoting a trade-up program. So this is really almost like an iBuyer program with a different flavor. So again, the challenge is when somebody has to sell a home and purchase a new home, that there's a lot of stress involved. If they sell their home first, then they gotta find the new home in time because they're gonna be homeless or they're gonna have to rent. Or if they find their dream home and they want to buy it, then they have the uncertainty uh, with respect to the sale of their existing home. So uh, Nifty companies are offering trade-up programs. So there are two companies notably you wanna take a look at, uh, Knock, K-N-O-C-K, and Fly Homes, who are addressing that challenge. And basically what they do is they allow you to purchase your dream home, your next home as a consumer, and they're actually buying the home for you. And then they're selling your existing home and then flipping the ownership and financing over to you on the new home. And um, it sounds complex, but they make it very, very simple. And the bottom line is this, you get to buy your dream home, you get to move into your dream home, and then they'll take care of selling your current home. You know exactly what the price is going to be and uh, the stressor has been removed. And uh, you know, all of these business models, iBuyer programs, trade-up programs, are really born from the uh, need to focus on the consumer. In our industry, for way too long, everything has been about the broker and the agent and the ownership of the MLS data and me, 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 without really much consideration for what the consumer truly wants. You know, we've been trying to give the consumer what we think they should have or what we think they should want, but what the consumers really want is an easy frictionless transaction that is a very, very smooth process and, uh, and that is quickly, you know, they don't want to take two, three months to purchase a home or sell a home. And so companies that can address those needs and provide uh, these type of solutions are going to be the winners. So um, the big money makers in the past were companies selling stuff to brokers and selling stuff to realtors. And those companies are still doing well, obviously. But um, the real focus uh, is the consumer. And if you look at the venture capital that's flowing into the industry, um, in 2019, it was about $1.5 billion compared to 500 million the year before. So there's a lot of money going into these business models. And um, a huge chunk of that is going to business models that are consumer focused. So um, 
a trend on the consumer side really is to eliminate that friction and creating an integrated solution and experience for the consumer where they have one point of contact and a very, very easy process from the moment they uh, find a property that they want to purchase through the financing, through the settlement, et cetera, et cetera. And the same thing on the, on the selling side. And, uh, you know, a couple of company, uh, companies that come to mind um, are obviously, um, you know, Redfin, Zillow, Compass. They're all very consumer focused on creating a, a very smooth, integrated experience. Um, another company that you're probably familiar with is Homelight. And Homelight, to most realtors, is seen as a lead generation company. But their focus really, truly is on the consumer to create a very frictionless, seamless experience from start to finish. And as part of that, to partner the consumer with the best possible real estate professional for the job at hand. And, um, you know, a lot of real estate agents I talk to are, you know, not super excited about home night because they obviously don't qualify as the top agent that would get a referral in home light. You know, home light is pairing consumers with the best agent uh, for the job. And, uh, and they're using algorithms and metrics um, to determine, you know, how many transactions has somebody done, how fast have they sold things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, uh, their focus again is on the consumer, but they're also creating value at the same time for the real estate professional. Big data is another thing that uh, you guys have heard about and a lot of real estate companies are talking about big data and wanting to own the data so they can control the transaction, et cetera, et cetera. But really what, um, you know, what the visionaries in this industry are doing is are, they're looking at how can we utilize big data to uh, predict and forecast behaviors and needs and how can we use that to create an even better experience for the consumer. So uh, myself, for instance, uh, I'm waiting to see something that is going to be truly 100% buyer focused. You know, right now, a lot of it is on the seller side. And um, so you have the iBuyer program, which is targeted at the seller to make their job easy. Uh, when you look at the trade-up programs, yes, it makes it easy for buyers, but it's really the selling side challenge that is addressed, the need to sell your current home before you can buy your next home. But um, as big data and AI continue to converge and grow, um, you know, I can see situations where AI is going to have you know, take algorithms to take a consumer's behavior, their friends, what they do on social media, their buying patterns, what they do for fun, what kind of clubs they belong to, where they go for dinner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and if that consumer now is looking to move and purchase a new home or a condo or rent an apartment, then this algorithm could present them with the three best choices for them, the three perfect matches for them based on thousands of data points and behavior points. And so um, as, as, our as the technology evolves, you're going to start to see those type of things. And uh, of course, as a real estate professional, you got to ask yourself, what's my um, space or what's my place going to be in that kind of environment? And uh, we'll talk about that more in upcoming episodes, but I just want to give you some food for thought and start thinking about, you know, what kind of things are possible potentially. Uh, right now, if we look at the future of real estate next three to five years, 
Um, the key areas that I see attention at is number one, uh, changing uh, processes such as lending. You know, so the lending process will change. It's too cumbersome. It's too slow. Uh, obviously, you cannot close on a loan overnight when you have these disclosure requirements, but it doesn't have to take 30 days or 45 days. There's no reason why you cannot close on a transaction within the week. And then also there may be alternatives to the traditional mortgage lending. So for instance, equity. So there are companies that are looking at, okay, if you're going to buy a million dollar home, uh, rather than you having to come up with 20% down payment, $200,000 and to buy the home and finance the 800,000, um, you know, what if we provide you with an equity investment? And so you're really going to, uh, purchase your million dollar home as if you were purchasing a $750,000 home. Your cost is going to be less. Obviously, you need less money to put down, but this other entity is going to own a percentage of that property. And then when you sell it down the road, they're going to get cashed out. So there are all sorts of interesting, uh, you know, ideas that are being kicked around. You know, how can we make change the process and how, how can we take things that are uh, right now, common practice in commercial real estate, in equity financing and in equity investing and so forth, and apply that to residential real estate. Another thing that is going to change dramatically over the next three to five years is the entire title and settlement industry. So a couple of things that I see here, number one, obviously, is blockchain technology that could potentially eliminate the need for title insurance completely in the not too distant future. Um, on the settlement and escrow side, you have a lot of challenges with wire fraud. Um, last year, about $150 million was lost um, to wire fraud, interceptions and so forth. And, um, and there are companies out there that are pioneering different kind of business models to allow direct transfer using ACH to the title companies of the escrow so nobody can intercept it. And um, the challenges there, of course, are that ACH transfers uh, can be recalled. And so trying to um, build processes and systems that will make it impossible to recall a traditional ACH transaction is really the, um, the holdup right now in that scenario. But companies are working on that and um, and so Ernest is a company that you want to keep an eye on. And another company is um, um, Deposit Plus, I think they're called. And, uh, and so over the next couple of years, these things are going to, um, to mature. And uh, the need to pick up paper checks or the need for a consumer to do a wire transfer where somebody sends them wire instructions that could be forged, where the money then does not end up in the title company's account, but in someone else's account, uh, these kind of challenges can be easily eliminated um, through technology. On the brokerage side business model, um, I think we're going to see some significant changes in the years ahead. When you take a 30,000 foot view, there are really two types of business models with respect to the brokerage industry. The first one is a consumer centric brokerage business model where the consumer is the buyer seller is the customer. So examples of those type of models would be Redfin, for example, and, um, and there, there are many others, but these uh, business models 
have the buyer seller as their customer. Many times they are, you know, large teams that decide to, uh, you know, incorporate as a brokerage, but the focus is 100% on the customer and um, the brokerage owns the customer connection. So it's not the uh, independent realtor that hits the pavement, that generates the buyer or seller, that, you know, basically brings the business to the brokerage. It's the brokerage that does the marketing, the lead generation, the uh, incubation, the follow-up, the service, doing the transaction, post-transaction. And um, so when you look at that type of business model, a salaried agent model definitely may win out because you got to ask yourself when the brokerage is moving, you know, managing all of the moving parts and they're the ones that are generating the business, the transactions, then why should they pay a commission to a, um, a real estate professional? You know, it would make much more sense to pay a salary. They can, uh, you know, control how the business is being done and how the customers are being served at a much higher level than with an independent contractor agent. And, uh, and so I think you're going to see more of those type of business models uh, developing. And, uh, and again, Redfin is one of the most prominent ones that has a salaried agent business model. Actually, before the crash, I pioneered a uh, real estate business model that was salary based as well. And it went very, it worked very, very well. It's just a shifting of the, of the duties. The agent becomes a customer service professional that services the consumer and helps them make the right decision and, and, and shepherds them through the transaction as opposed to a salesperson that has to go out and generate the business. So on the agent centric side, so the first business model type is the consumer centric brokerage model. And um, the other one is the agent centric business model. So where the customer of the brokerage is not the buyer or seller, but the customer of the brokerage is the agent. And so for those type of business models, and you know, my current business falls into that category. And, uh, and there are you know, obviously many, many others, KW, Remax, Cobalt Banker, all of those business models are focused at serving the agent. The agent is the customer. And um, as we um, progress into this um, you know, technology universe, which is um, you know, speeding up rapidly, our focus within those business models really has to be on empowering the agents and really becoming a platform for that agents to run their business at the highest level. And um, one good company as an example is SIDE, S-I-D-E. Now they're focused at the very high end agents. So their agents are doing 20 million plus a year in business. And uh, they're basically running the entire business for the agent. So the agent only has to focus on working with the buyers and sellers and servicing them and everything else is taken care of uh, for them. But that is also going to be the focus uh, for other companies like ours, where, you know, you may not have these 20, 30, $50 million agents, but even if somebody is a, uh, a three to $5 million performer, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges that those agents have is to take their business to the next level, being able to afford the right technology, being able to know what the right technology is and, um, and building a team to support them, to free them up, to generate more value. You know, you cannot make 
um, $100 or $200 an hour when you're busy doing $20 an hour work. And uh, most agents don't want to have to and, and, and probably aren't qualified to hire people and train people and supervise people. So business models that really are able to say, okay, if I'm going, if I were to run a mega team, let's say I had a team that was running a, a 500 or a thousand transactions a year, um, I would have, you know, specialists for all different areas. I would have listing coordinators, listing specialists, customer support specialists, admin support, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, marketing support, the data entry, making sure that the collaterals go out, making sure flyer boxes are refilled, making sure signs are installed, making sure photography is taken, all of those things from start to finish. Um, you know, I would have specialists handle those things for me. So if you can take that kind of approach and apply that to an individual agent and basically give an individual agent the power of that type of organization, that type of a team, I think it's going to be huge. And, uh, and again, the um, idea of just uh, providing a, a place for someone to park their license and hang their license in the future, I think is going to become less and less viable because as um, commissions continue to be under pressure, what will happen inevitably is that agents are going to make less money per transaction. Uh, because of market pressures but if they employ the right technology and have the right support they'll be able to uh, complete a lot more transactions so instead of doing 10 deals a year they might be able to do 30 40 50 deals a year and um, and so the agents are still going to be able to be very successful and have a sizable business but they need to have the right support infrastructure in place um, to make that happen and um, Going to give a, a quick uh, shout out to uh, Jenny Wemmert, who I shared the stage with uh, on a panel at Inman. I was invited to speak there, and uh, she's a very successful broker in the Orlando area that basically has a team brokerage with 30 agents and 22 support staff, and they completed 900 transactions last year. So you do the math that 30 that's uh, 30 transactions per agent. And, um, and so being able to provide that kind of support infrastructure to agents in an independent contractor business model, I think is going to be very, very powerful. So those are the key takeaways uh, for me from Inman Connect. And I'm gonna talk about some of them in more depth in some upcoming episodes, especially uh, the different ideas of business models and how you can take advantage of opportunities created by iBuyer programs where you could actually effectively, in essence, compete with trade-up companies like um, Fly Homes and Knock and others by leveraging an iBuyer to create a seamless solution for your customers that have to sell and want to buy. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for for uh, checking out this podcast and following me. I know it's a new podcast. I want to hear from you. Uh, please leave some comments and uh, you can also shout me, shoot out a message to me. You can reach me at thomas at thomasheiman.com. That's T-H-O-M-A-S at thomasheiman, T-H-O-M-A-S-H-E-I-M-A-N-N.com. Or follow me on YouTube um, my handle is Thomas Hyman or on Twitter. My handle is Thomas Hyman, all one word. And I'd love to hear from you. 
I'm curious to hear your thoughts on these subjects that I just touched on. And I'm curious to hear what you are looking for with respect to the kind of challenges that uh, these changes in technology are presenting to us and what would add value to you to make sense out of all of this and create opportunities for yourself. Again, as an entrepreneur, I've always believed that anytime there is disruption, it creates tremendous opportunity. Very few people will see that because they're so focused on the threat as opposed to what it could mean in terms of opportunity. And uh, if you can get yourself to think in terms of opportunities as opposed to, oh my God, these guys are trying to, um, you know, take away my business, then I think you're going to po uh, position yourself for tremendous success in the decade ahead. Thanks so much again. And I'm Thomas Hyman. Until next time.